0: saw it down so she could rest. She lit a cigarette and asked which podcast I liked.
1: Step I take takes me further from heaven. Hello. Creepy creepy. <laughs> Welcome to Sometimes Dead Is Better. This is our part two?
0: Yeah, this is our first part two episode.
1: I think so. And
0: if you don't count my maybe midsummer review. Halfway through another episode. Again. Okay. yeah This is officially a part two. Yeah, I think so. How exciting.
1: We had a lot to say about Mindhunter season yeah, one. And
0: it was so successful that we decided to do a season, <laughs> uh, second episode of it. Uh,
1: so we're going to talk about season two of Mindhunter.
0: Right. How many times have you watched season two? Two. Only twice. Okay,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> Well, I've watched it once. Uh.
1: So I was surprised that because there was two years in between the seasons... I was surprised that they started right where it ended
0: right yeah i
1: thought for sure there was gonna be a time jump i didn't realize that bill tench's son was already like seven i thought he was younger so at first it took me a minute it's like okay he's in the hospital because of this panic attack that's just happened there's been no time jump mm-hmm. we're right back in it he's uh strapped in the bed
0: seems weird yeah
1: because he had a Panic
0: attack? Yeah, I'm just going to come real hot in and just okay. say I do not like the panic attack subplot. I just don't. I think it's a, a crutch
1: hmm.
0: for in in place of character development. I don't think they need it. They could have had the season one end the exact same way it did with that episode. Right. It will make complete sense. He just got hugged by a serial killer. Everything was crashing in on him. Great way to end the season. To start the new season with something like, like this symptomatic thing that it's almost as if we're supposed to like have sympathy for him because of it.
1: So would it be okay if it was just that one panic attack yeah, and I'd it didn't come up that. again?
0: Yeah, and if okay. it wasn't called a panic attack it just, something that happened at the end of the season and, I mean, it made sense at the time it's yeah. not something really question but to suddenly have it be a focus uh, of the first couple episodes and then just be disregarded the rest of the season entirely, I didn't like it I felt like a shortcut to storytelling
1: well, it's brought up a couple other times.
0: I mean, not that it has anything to do with weakness or strength. It's just not in that character. He's never exhibited anything like that before. Uh, I just, I just didn't buy it. It just felt like an easy kind of metaphor for what's going on with that character.
1: Well, I do like that it really brought him back down because he was getting a little uppity there. He was getting a little haughty. He had walked out of that meeting. You know, he. I think at the the line he says in season one is. The only thing that I did wrong was ever doubting myself, something like that, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that really brought him back down and leveled him out. And in season two, he seems much more subdued. Like, he doesn't quite go above and beyond the way he probably would have, had he not had that panic attack and had it not kind of brought him back down. So I think it was important. Okay. Now, whether they keep it going, whether he starts having a panic attack because A.D. Shepard is mad at him, maybe not.
0: Right. Yeah, I guess that's kind of maybe my my concern. It's like it just doesn't seem to really fit with what we've seen the entire year before.
1: But so Holden never actually deals with his breakup from Debbie. No one ever asks about it.
0: Right. I don't think she's ever even mentioned the entire show. She's not
1: mentioned at all. I thought at least Bill would be like, "Why didn't you ask Debbie to come get you? Or where's Debbie? Take care of you?"
0: Before at their house. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Unless maybe he knew. Clearly, Debbie dumped his ass. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, she, know, like, he already
1: knows Debbie's way out of your league, yeah. dude.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, but is there some sort of hunter gossip that I'm not aware of? Do you know why it's with she, the
1: actress? Yes. Not that I know of. Uh, damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: well, I thought you were really holding something from me. Yeah, so I'm curious why she's not on the show. Maybe she's just doing another show. Maybe they thought, and this could be correct, that you know maybe that storyline isn't just needed anymore. The the focus this season is much more on you know Bill's personal life, right? And and Jonathan Groff is so much focused on the, you know, the Atlanta monster storyline that it does make sense that he can't be coming back every episode to sort of have that in his life, I suppose. Although I did kind of miss the character, you know, I, I liked her.
1: I mean, actress has been in a lot since I mean it has been two years in between Yeah. so maybe she did move on
0: I feel like she if had she been asked she would have come back I mean it's a David Fincher show that's
1: okay and so we're also kind of introduced to a huge new character Bill goes up to Shepard's office and he's packing and so Bill's like oh shit yeah. Should we be packing too and he says no he's finally retiring and so he says that this new guy uh, Agent Gunn's gonna come in and he's gonna take over things and so that was all very interesting. I love that actor. He's also from Fringe.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the, what, what was it called, the Fringe? Like, the white... He's that guy from the future that, you know, just kind of... Yes. He also played Sweeney Todd on Broadway.
1: Oh, I interesting. I know that because
0: there's a whole episode of Blank uh, Check with him. I think where they do the Sweeney Todd episode. He's, like, the guest star. It's really No funny. way. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. He's apparently
0: famous for doing that. I, you
1: know. Oh, okay, yeah. Michael...
0: Severus? Severus. Yeah. He's a yes. big Broadway actor mostly.
1: Oh, that's he's, amazing. He's on TV too. Um. So he shows up and he's just like, I mean, he's perfect in that role. Yeah, like he's like the good. new director. He's kind of trying to play he's both sides. All of them against each other. Yes. Yeah. So good. And so he's kind of inter- So Bill is first introduced to him. Bill at this point does not know where Holden is, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what happened. And I love that scene when he's on the phone. Well, he's in his office, he's got his feet up he gets the phone call, and he's like, Bill, it's me. And he like, where the fuck have you been?
0: Yeah, he's not concerned at all. Yes. I would have liked it if he, you know, they when he did show up and you saw, you know, Holden in the mental hospital, that, it, you know, they would have been hugged. And... No.
1: No, Bill doesn't like it. He no. kind of brings him some clothes and throws him at him. And he even says, like, you know how to get dressed, right? Yeah. Gives him a hard time. and um, But he explains to him that he had a panic attack. And he's given Valium? Is that
0: what yeah. it is? And I think Bill's a like panic attack. What are you talking about? Yeah. And which is very much, I I would guess, a symptom of that that time. Like you would not, that would not be a thing that would be worth concerning. You would maybe, someone like Bill would consider like a fainting spell or a yes. couple of vapors or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: What, do you mean uh, a fainting couch? Yeah. And there is like when he's walking he out. Yeah. No, no. But yeah. he walks out and he has to like steady himself again and Bill says like, Get your shit together, right. you know. Get it together.
0: He does not take it seriously at all. No, much like I don't apparently as a viewer. But <laughs> like, but if if it was really happening, I would take it seriously. But
1: yes, and I know um, that when they're on the airplane, he says no one should know about this episode. Right. You know, I mean, he's very dismissive of it. He goes, he tells, he lets him know that Shepherds retired. There's a new sheriff in town. you are gonna meet with him on Monday. Yeah,
0: it does feel like all the sort of goodwill they built up between each other over the last year is like suddenly kind of. Evaporate a little bit, because yeah. of Well, I guess because of the end of the first season. Yes, birth.
1: you can see it sort to disintegrate and see them start to kind of resent each other. Yeah, more kind of more on Bill's side. Holden seems to be in his own world.
0: Right, Holden is you know alienating people right and left. Yes, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't quite know it, but he is. And
1: also, that he went to go see Ed Kemper by himself. You know,
0: right? Right. You can't
1: do that.
0: And maybe that's what he's mostly mad about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. More. more and you can walk out
1: of the meeting. You can't do that.
0: Yeah kind of threw the rest of the team under the bus mm-hmm. so I mean he's right to be mad it's just it's just uh, it's an unexpected kind of jumping off point for the season yeah um, which I appreciate it's good I think you tweeted at some point uh, you know this season is everybody hates Holden yes which is a uh, true you know there's Bill not really happy with him
1: Wendy's so mad at him Wendy's very mad Shepherd hates him <laughs>
0: The hotel clerk doesn't seem to like him. No. <laughs> the The mothers of the victims really don't like him. No. I mean, everybody meets The Atlanta. The Atlanta Monster doesn't like him.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, so then there's two different scenes of um, Agent Gunn meeting with Bill and with Wendy kind of telling the same thing. Keep an eye on Holden. Right. But they see that Holden is an asset. And then so finally Holden gets in and he meets him too. And he gets to go up to the special... Breakfast place, yeah. tells him he's going to get a Manson, and so Holden's kind of revived.
0: Holden's and, the only one that doesn't seem to get that he's being played entirely. Yes. The other two at least have acknowledged that. But yes. Yeah, he's kind of messed with this, but we'll go with it. Yes.
1: Wendy's trying to get back to business. She has these killers that she wants them to go interview, mm-hmm. and he kind of comes in and says, He's getting his Manson. And they're all like, What? What the fuck? And,
0: and she's rightly, you know, like, well, you know, he has not necessarily killed anybody. he yes. really part of the profile that we're going after. Yes, he's interesting, but is that what we're here for? Which is a great sort of kind of almost like a meta commentary on the show. Like, should Manson be in this show? You know, mm. Because he's not really, he doesn't fit the, what we've been talking about this whole time. And, and uh, Holden's like, I don't care. He's, I love him. <laughs> we're going to interview him.
1: Have you heard this song?
0: <laughs> right. And
1: then he also calls out Greg Smith. For sending the tape and Greg admits it
0: yes that's a great scene
1: yes and everyone is pissed and then
0: I just want to clear the air he says right?
1: oh my gosh goodness gracious and then um agent gun walks in on all this mm-hmm. and they all kind of like set up straight and yeah, yeah.
0: it's that awkward moment when your boss walks in
1: <laughs> yes because they're not used to him coming down there no one comes down to the basement
0: yeah
1: no. to FBI's most Mostly, unwanted right <laughs> Holden comes into Bill's office and he's got the BTK stuff up.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: Because his old buddy has brought these boxes down. Probably they've been investigating it. So
0: that's the first episode. He's been murdering. Yeah. Okay.
1: And, um, so that kind of like brings him and Bill back together because he's like, Oh, BTK, you know how you walk into my house and you're like, Oh, (laughs) so they kind of bond over talking about BTK and they, maybe they kind of realize, okay, we're back on the same track. And so they go from there.
0: Well, maybe we should go ahead and just talk about the the sort of BTK storyline in this season. Because it's chilling.
1: It is. Uh, So BTK has a much bigger role. The opening scene is that song playing. Right. And his wife coming in and finding him.
0: Roxy music, yeah. Yeah. And he's he's in his room, tied up to the doorknob, uh, I guess auto erotic asphyxiation is yes. that the phrase
1: but he's also dressed up he also has a mask he's, on. He's, he's
0: added on some things to it. yes <laughs> <laughs> taking the next level um it's super creepy and the way it's filmed is uh you're not quite sure like is she getting out there alive I don't quite know she does right. of course but you know he's chasing her but also you know trying to just stop her because oh what have you seen that type of thing
1: yeah
0: uh and that kind of lingers the rest of the season that mask he wears is super creepy. I that made me you know more so before that made me read about the BTK killer uh-huh um, just because he's so present in the season and I yeah I guess he really did that. He yes. was dressed up as what the people he killed or I don't really what's the exact story there
1: I don't I don't know a lot about BTK. I haven't really delved into him yet uh, so I'm kind of I know some about him. But i'm kind of learning more through the show yeah i know how he was caught i read the interview with his daughter and stuff like that but i don't know too much it's yeah. just it's very disturbing to me
0: well so he's a major through line for this season at least certainly the first half of the season i guess the second half of the season is more the you know the Atlanta monster
1: yes but he there's a lot more because bill's actually investigating him yeah,
0: so btk is the bind torture kill murderer yes. which named himself that
1: well yeah so yeah that's how um him and holding kind of bond over talking about it and I it was so hot when Bill just drew Son of Sam's sign without even having to
0: You thought look it was it hot? Up.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, this is what he did. So then they kinda of put together that clearly BTK is admiring Son of Sam. Son of Sam was caught in seventy eight or so, like right as oh, I
0: thought it was in the sixties.
1: No, it's like right as oh, right, Mindhunter right. is starting yeah. because Holden sees a Time magazine or something yeah. that says, like, Son of Sam caught. And so they're like, we got to go talk to Son of Sam because to investigate this particular murder. Oh,
0: because I forget. Yes. Yeah. So they go to Son of Sam to get in, input on BTK. Yes. So he's like Hannibal Eicher. Yes. BTK's like Buffalo Bill.
1: Exactly. Okay. Um They both have the symbol and they're both writing to the police.
0: Right. But I think it's also when they kind of mentioned the Zodiac a little bit because, you know, the Zodiac had done something similar. I yes, th- I think his he, name had, he had a sign. Yeah.
1: Yes, and then yeah. he also had. Um, he wrote to the police, so they go to see um, David Berkowitz. That's his name. Yeah. His name's son of Sam. That actor is terrifying. I understand they had they had to use prosthetics.
0: Yeah, yeah, I read that later. I didn't know at the time, but they put him prosthetics and the Charles Manson actor in prosthetics. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it is creepy because he does look just like David Berkowitz. Mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't watched interviews with David Berkowitz. But,
0: no, that's one YouTube I haven't gone down, <laughs> only because I haven't thought about it, but I will. Um But I, did you know, like, I did not know if this show is true, that, you know, his whole mythology, you know, the the, the talking dog and the... Oh, yeah, it's is, bullshit. I had no idea. Did oh, you, yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. That's like a thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's news to me, because I thought that was like just, you know, the gospel. That, I mean,
1: I'm sure it wasn't found out exactly as, maybe as easy as they did it in Mindhunter. Right? Hunter. But yeah, I mean, he did use that as an excuse to try to make himself feel better. Oh, see, I, I just yeah. thought
0: that was like, I mean, obviously as crazy as it is, I thought that was like accept the accepted narrative. Like no. That's, okay.
1: Yeah. He wanted to be uh, something that he wasn't, I guess.
0: So he killed these people because...
1: He just wanted to. But yeah. And they really used his hubris against him and making him, even the psychiatrist believed it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever see Spike Lee's movie? Yep, I did. I I remember starting it. I never finished it.
0: No, it's all in the theater, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and that movie, I believe it. I mean, the movie's more about the culture versus the actual Son of Sam thing, but it's right. in there, right? And the movie, it actually you know presents it pretty, I you mean, know, pretty much with the the narrative that yeah he's been told to do this, but I think he's actually seeing the dog is talking to him.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: But but now that think about it, it's just more about. it's more about the culture around that and the the city, what was, you know, the city being terrorized by him and what that was kind of like at the time in the middle of this, you know, massive heat wave.
1: I also like in this season, they split everybody up. Yeah. And they pair everybody up differently. It's very interesting. So I guess we'll start talking about why this kind of happens. It kind of happens because Bill starts to have issues at home. So there's a great scene... Bill goes to church with Nancy. Nancy is played by a woman who I did not realize this, but so the BBC office is one of Brian and I's favorite shows, and there is a character on there named Rachel. She's just like a, a side character. She's she comes in when they when the two businesses merge together, and she starts dating Tim. And she is that act, same actress. So is she's she like, British? Yes. Oh, crazy. And she's been in a, a hundred different things. It's it's, it's really interesting. but she, She's great. I love her. Nancy yeah. is uh, Bill's wife. They start to show more of their home life. We already learned last season that they adopted a boy.
0: Yeah, who's troubled.
1: Yeah, he's, he's not speaking. He yeah. seems to be autistic. He
0: won't hug Bill. Yeah. He's no fun to play with. That's what Bill says. Yeah, he's he no does. fun.
1: Yeah. There are multiple scenes of people being really intrigued about what Bill does and wanting him, wanting him to tell them about him. Yeah. And Nancy in the background, like pissed.
0: <laughs> yeah. The barbecue scene. <laughs>
1: the barbecue scene. There's one when she talks to the therapist, when he talks to the social worker who comes. Yeah. Everybody's very fascinated by this and yeah. it's something to Nancy that's just like frustrating.
0: Yeah. That's actually interesting. I think that's kind of getting to the sort of, well, I mean, the, the reason we watch My and you know, this sort of voyeuristic aspect of the, of the you know, ooh, serial killers. You know. Yes. So, and then,
1: but you don't think about that's taking away yeah. all of the time from their family. We were and complicit this, in that. Yes. <laughs> and this was before even the whole storyline with Brian happens. Right. That, yeah, that's boy. a good point.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of magnified once that happens, but for sure, yeah, everyone is, I mean, it even comes out, like you said, in the last episode where, yeah, you know, at all the cocktail parties that he's talking about, the serial killers is mad, and all the FBI agents kind of hover in.
1: Yeah, he he um, puts on a show, He yeah. he knows how to do that, Yeah, because he's are, the hottest man ever. Well, I that, love him so that, much.
0: And also, people are, in, you know, this pure voyeurism, they're yeah. intrigued, and you know, the reason we watch the show. is like, oh, you talk to Manson? Really? What's that like?
1: <laughs> oh, I showed Brian a scene with Nancy, because I wanted him to see if he could guess what she was from, because we watched The Office so much. And she's unrecognizable in that, so I didn't expect him to get it. But then I was like, but that's that's Bill. And he's he like, that's the guy you're talking about all the time? <laughs> he was like, that? So you're that...
0: talking about him opening your home? Is... <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> Brian was like, that meaty guy? And I was like, "His he, he was he like, never
0: understand, does yeah. he
1: have a good personality? I don't understand." He
0: uses sexual. Appeal. And I tried to
1: explain it to right. him, and I and he it was like, "Okay."
0: Did he did he did you show him a scene with his little polo shirt on? And like, <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't know. He must <laughs> be straight. He's so
1: powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so he and must like men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, but uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the because we're kind of in the first of the season, the BTK through line. Okay. Because there's that scene where, you know, Bill goes to investigate the BTK killing in Kansas. Uh-huh. And is, well, I understand it was the first major killing he did, the family. Right. And it is terrifying. I've, Just
1: I've, the them explaining it?
0: Them explaining it, and specifically later when he meets with a kid that survived the next killing. Yes. I can't stop thinking about it. It can be. It may be because I watched the whole, <laughs> uh, like I said, the YouTube video. of right. WZK confessing to all of it. Right. And in in gruesome detail, Mike pretty, pretty much presents what he confesses to as.
1: Yes. Yeah. The scene
0: I really struggled with. Yeah, was,
1: the guy uh, is Kevin, and he's a real. That was actually her brother. Right. Pretty much all that was was pretty yeah, true. So why don't
0: you explain now that we're in a true crime corner? Why don't you kind of explain what that's all about, those two killings? Because it's, like, so bone-chilling, but...
1: Well, they explain it pretty well in Mindhunter. I mean, so what you see in Mindhunter Season 1, him methodically working through this, trying things out, testing it, not going through with it, but we don't see any of the murders. And then in season two, they go ahead and show you what he's kind of been doing.
0: Yeah, I See. so is the idea in season one though, that he's already done it and he's just sort of reliving it? Or is he like working up to it? I, I think was... he's
1: working through it because okay. there, at one point he mails a letter and that would have been the letter that he probably mailed that had, and that they started in 77. And by the time Mindhunter, I think we're in 79, you know, by the time season two starts. So I think he has committed so these murders, okay. but we just haven't seen them. It was
0: kind of unclear. To me. Yes. Sorry.
1: The way they explain it, I mean, he he breaks into the house. The dad, the mom, the two kids, and a dog. Two kids
0: that were there, yeah.
1: Are all there, and he takes. He somehow annihilates the entire family. It's yeah. terrifying.
0: But, I mean, if you watch the confession and, and for understand what is kind of present on the show, he did not know they would all be there. Yes.
1: Yet. And then the way they. The second murder that they talk about, and then they have Kevin. How amazing is that shot and that actor who is never in focus you know he's in the back seat yeah
0: because he's been shot three four times in the head well he also
1: he doesn't want to be seen he doesn't want bill to look at him so we don't see him either and he's also he's always in out of focus and the way he plays that is so terrifying bill tench is awesome too in it i mean he's kind but he also is asking him hard questions
0: yeah that that one question where he asks him like and I, i hate to be uncouth where he says like i just want to ask did the killer have an erection when this was happening and he, like because this like we know why he asked that because yes. we're watching a show called mindhunter <laughs> 20 years later after the fact whatever it is but i mean you can imagine that being such a what the fuck question yeah at, at the same time being like probably true i don't know and uh it just really gets to the idea of like the, the forefront of this new you know methodology of the work kind of wealth, you know Whereas this guy had just kind of been home invaded. Why is he not being confronted with questions like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's
0: an incredible... I don't know. That just kind of stopped me in my tracks. You know, trying to imagine myself in that situation and being asked those questions.
1: Well, I also kind of like that Bill kind of took this on his own. You know, Holden didn't come with him. Holden kind of uh, talks about it with him. Yeah. Helps him with the son of Sam. But he's kind of investigating it. He goes... To yeah. Kansas by himself,
0: and there's there's still a little bit of odds too, you know, at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, BTK also we kind of learn in season one he's he likes rules, he likes things a certain way, and then I, I like the the scene whenever he's trying to photocopy his creepy drawings, and he gets so mad about it being that's how kind of like he is, he's kind of like a uppity, like he's he's gets very upset when things don't go his way. And yet he's still able to break into someone's house and improvise and murder everybody. I mean yeah. it's 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 very fascinating. It's
0: hard like then I think that's one of the interesting things about it, it's hard to like um, picture the guy that they show, much less the guy they can watch on YouTube. Yeah. Doing the things
1: He looks like a dad. Yeah. Just like a normal dad.
0: Yeah. When he wow well, I can't tell you how chilling this YouTube is, but it's so chilling because he is so normal looking. He looks like, you know, like you said, just someone's dad. And he's talking about these very gruesome things and almost like apologetic detail, but not really, you know, just sort of almost apologizing just for having to tell it, not actually for having done it. Yeah. Right. Because he kind of just apologizes to the judge. Right. Like, sorry to be here type of thing. Ugh. Uh, it's really creepy. Okay, so I guess we're kind of done with the BTK thing, but I will say that the, that scene, just specifically the the kid in the car scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is brilliant scene, and um, I think I really had nightmares. I think that's actually what made me watch the BTK interview because oh, really? just it really bothered me, and I was like, I can't imagine what that's like. Just it's so uh, I don't know. I can't even talk and, about it.
1: And but you're gonna go read American Psycho <laughs> tonight. <Or whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we covered Son of Sam, who they interview, kind of break him down. So then this is what again kind of start to get split up. So Bill Tench is married to Nancy. Nancy is a real estate agent. And we have Nate Cordry, which is interesting, who plays the police officer who comes to the door.
0: That's Nate Cordry. Yeah. Shut up, really? Yeah. I did not recognize him.
1: Isn't he adorable?
0: Do they have like a mustache or something?
1: No. So Nate comes to the door of Bill and Nancy and tells them that a body has been found in one of the houses that she is trying to sell. And they kind of get freaked out. And so he, Bill is supposed to fly out to Atlanta to interview a couple serial killers that um, Wendy Carr has picked out for them. But he has to stay to help Nancy. She's freaking out a little bit. So he goes over to the house. All he wants to do is take Nancy's name off the sign. Mm -hmm. But Nate asked if he could please come and take a look at this. And what does he find?
0: Are you asking me? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, well, I mean, I guess he finds, uh, I mean, it's already been removed, but what has happened is that uh, some poor infant has been, what he thinks has been, I guess crucified basically right. he's not quite sure how they, he's dying but
1: all, all you see is the, the, the chalk outline, the chalk outline yeah. and then he flips through some photos so you do kind of see
0: right it comes out later that the, it was post-mortem so that's better I right. guess I mean he was just some accident but, but still it's like you know, did what,
1: you know that it was based on a true story
0: god damn it no <laughs> I was gonna ask that I'm
1: so sorry all right. So in 1971,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I already got it pulled up. <laughs> in
1: 1971, are you reading
0: newspaper clippings for the wall?
1: <laughs> in San Francisco, two brothers, age seven and ten, killed twenty-month-old Noah, who they lured from a park. The mom was a 21-year-old mother of two, and somehow Noah got out of her sight. The brothers found the little boy wandering alone and took him by the hand. They took him down an alley into an an unfinished basement, which is a place that they like to kind of play. It was kind of like a fort, you know. The boy started crying, and so they slapped him and started to jump up and down on him until they finally hit him with a brick, splitting his scalp open. They laid him on a wooden cross and covered him with a sheet.
0: Well, well do they do that to try and bring him back yes okay that i can know uh, that makes it feel a little bit better almost but. they
1: thought that he would be resurrected but they also like they weren't like they show brian in church looking at the cross right jesus on the cross, yeah. the cross but these little boys said they weren't even really religious i think i don't know but so well, anyway
0: yeah that makes sense because it's, it's a fundamental understanding of the mythology the cross isn't what The cross is what kills jesus jesus isn't resurrected on the cross he's resurrected days later right independently of that it's irrelevant how he he dies
1: and on this um this pbs.org website which i'll post in our show notes where they talk about the this murder there's a, a crime scene photo and it looks very similar to the one that Bill has, except uh, it's not quite because, like, in the ones that Bill have, you can actually see the boy's face almost, you know. Hmm. And this one he's, he is covered completely with a sheet, but it is eerily similar. So,
0: well, that's terrible. Sorry, um, thank you for telling me, no problem. Um, but what do we so okay, so we'll just get into it. It turns out, right? Can I just say this?
1: Yes, it kind of uh evolves through the seats through the season,
0: yeah, but yes. But yeah, so the uh, Bill's kid, um, what's his name? Uh, Brian. Brian. Like my husband. Like her husband. Um, is He doesn't kill the infant, but he watches these other kids kill this infant, much like the way you said, kind of through misguided horseplay or something. Right. Some older kids that he's hanging around with. and But he's the one that has the idea to put him on a cross or some wooden beams or something.
1: Yeah, he takes them to the house because he knows how to get the key the lockbox. Oh, I
0: see. Yeah. yeah. I thought maybe they die at the house.
1: No, he brought them to the house. Okay. Because they find the key on Brian.
0: Right. Um, so he's involved, you know, and he witnesses his death, doesn't tell anybody for a while, and has this kind of bizarre idea to basically crucify him post-mortem, which is obviously ill-thought-out, if not, you know, terrifying. Uh, and also the rest of the season, are, and before that, there's, you know, a lot of ominous shots of the kid, and they have this sort of Damien. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's uh, that
1: one shot, you know, when um, Bill comes to pick him up from school, and he just, like, comes out of the shadows.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just walking solemnly.
0: So, I mean, they're not really being too subtle about uh, this idea that this kid is, like, troubled. Right. Um, but I mean how did you feel about that whole storyline that's something I kind of struggle with but.
1: The, the first time I saw it I think I kind of rolled my eyes yeah um, I think that was
0: kind of my reaction
1: but then the way they handled it through the rest of the season I was okay with it because they did handle it um, they took it very seriously they kind of showed that he wasn't involved that like he didn't murder him he didn't harm him Right. Uh, he's witnessed it he's obviously troubled by it they're doing everything they can to make sure it's going to be okay so through the rest of the season then i kind of thought it was okay i thought if they if he just was like a full-blown serial killer at age seven maybe that's a little too on the nose
0: yeah no i guess that's my thing about it i mean i definitely rubbed my eyes and i i guess that's the way of putting it i thought it was very much on the nose Like there's a lot of ways to show that they could is troubled and affecting bill and his everyday work beyond him being involved in a literal murder right. you know <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, especially if like, have a baby
0: exactly yeah so the fact that I guess, I guess it's kind of based on your story maybe mitigates it somewhat but like the season one you know that there's this scene where you know he apparently has crawled into I mean he's walking but he's gone to Bill's office and has seen some crime scene photos right the babysitter's very upset she quits right that's a good way of handling that I think yeah. but yeah the kid is we're not sure what's wrong with him my job is not helping this at all but i mean i guess my issue with is with with it is to, to go that far and to lay down the viewer uh it, it felt a little bit exploitive you know to me
1: yeah uh, again i think i don't i don't think it escalated too much that it made it too distracting i think
0: that i guess i think it did <laughs> okay me. that's pretty distracting a kid <laughs> crucified in the basement uh and because of his son you know it, it but, I mean, I, I kind of agree also that they did handle it well once they get past that huge right. <laughs> hurdle to me. they You know, the, the rest of the way they did it, it's very interesting how he and his wife interact and think of the psychiatrist and, oh, what is, does this mean for your job? And, I mean, all that's great, but it's just such an extreme... It is
1: very extreme. Yeah, it's, yes. it's
0: hard for me to kind of... It's like, wow, okay. I,
1: I do like that Bill has something that he needs to confide. First, he confides in Wendy with it. Right. And, you know, that kind of helps... Their relationship, he doesn't want to tell Holden. And then I, I watched that scene a couple of times. Whenever he just tells off when Holden he tells them, and he yeah. says, "You know what? You look stressed. Take a fucking Valium." And I like, "Oh my god, he's so hot." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: Right. Um, and
1: finally, he just tells Holden, "You know what? You know I haven't been here because my son. When it's a toddler being murdered?" And he's like, "I'm sorry." He's like, "I don't want your fucking pity." I love that he's just tells I, them.
0: I love all that I just feel like there's a I she, mean
1: Chris take a fucking Valium
0: <laughs> it's, it's just a bit it's like a panic attack it just it's like it feels a bit manufactured to me you know and I mean obviously the whole thing's manufactured as a TV show I love the show so two criticisms two criticisms
1: yeah we'll see how many more you mm-hmm. have that's
0: about it honestly
1: hello there Kristen here Thank you so much for listening. We want to invite you to come join our Facebook group. Sometimes groups are better. There are a lot of cool people in there. We talk about the movies Chris and I review, new horror movies coming out, true crime, pop culture. It's really fun. We would also be so grateful if you would go on iTunes and subscribe and rate and review or subscribe on whatever podcasting app you use. It really helps us to be seen by more awesome people like you and we want to continue to build this great community. Also, follow us on Instagram at Sometimes Dead Podcast. We'll post pictures of the drinks we're drinking or pictures of the true crimes we're doing. While you're there, follow Gabby Watts, who does our amazing theme song. Follow her band at Rotts G-A-B-B-I-E-R-O-T-T-S. And remember, sometimes dead is better. Alright, so so because um, Bill is having to stay home and deal with all this other stuff going on, Holden goes to Atlanta to investigate, uh, to interview a couple murders that Wendy's picked out for him. Mm -hmm. So he goes and meets back up with um, Agent Barney, who was interviewed in season one. Yeah,
0: a candidate for the new position that was passed over because of nepotism Nepotism. (laughs) or whoever. What was his name? Agent Smith? Yeah,
1: Yeah, Greg Smith. And so they go and interview two real murderers who were in Georgia. One is William Junior Pierce. I don't know who that actor is who plays him, but he's so good. He's the guy who thinks he has all the, he knows all the big words.
0: Oh, right. He right. says he knows
1: all the languages. Yeah, I loved him. Yeah. And um, he was a convicted murderer of nine killings in one year. Uh, one of the most famous ones was of uh, a South Carolina senator. Peg Catino was her name. She was only thirteen
0: it was the daughter of singers, singer is that what are saying yeah.
1: yeah and like katherine um, martin just like it but yeah he was a great and so you can already kind of tell in this interview holden is bored uh agent barney has to kind of come in and so he has done a lot of research and he realizes that this guy likes junk food and so he kind of gets him to start talking yeah. by giving him um, candy and then this serial killer doesn't admit he admits to two murders but
0: right we'll see i love that scene. I, I, I think the, the scene where his, he, he's bored is more so, I feel like, the, the next scene where he's talking to the African-American killer.
1: Yes, but he does kind of give up I quickly. think he gives up. I yes. think it's more
0: about him just not being able to talk to this guy. Thinking yes. Thinking he's stupid and giving up. But And the other guy has kind of somehow already figured out to, how to get on his wavelength, and it's something that's beyond, you know. Like, Hole can only talk to a certain type of intellectual, I feel like. Whether it's a, you Cameron Britton, you know, uh, Ed Kemper at least presents as an intellectual and some of these other killers too whereas he's unable to talk to just like a complete red knight that happens to be a serial killer. Yeah. Which is interesting.
1: And he kind of gives up and he just kind of so so similar with uh, this another serial killer who is a true serial killer uh, William Henry Hance he murdered three women in Georgia around military bases uh, he was executed in 1994 but I think that all that kind of plays out similar like he thought that where he said that there was forces talking to him and he wrote the police on the base stationery, very similar to everything that they described in the scene with him. Yeah. So another big serial killer that they go visit, one that um, Wendy's very interested in, is Elmer Wayne Henry Jr. And so this is uh, Dean Coral, the handyman who they reference, and this was his accomplice. We won't get into all the murders because there's so many. Oh, right. Because we might use these for future episodes, too. And so he was an accomplice. He was a child. He was 14 when he met Dean Corll, and he kind of got him to help with these murders. And so this kind of goes into them going to meet Manson. And so then when he's like, okay, fine, I guess it will help kind of help with this, at, this serial killer, so go talk to Manson. And uh, so, like we talked about in the Once Upon a Time episode, it's the same actor.
0: Yeah, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. So, what prosthetics did they use, besides putting a I on his I'm not sure exactly,
0: inside? but no, they, they uh, I think they sent his nose. I huh. mean, they, they just, I read about it. They, How they
1: make him so tiny? Is he just tiny?
0: They used a very tall guard to walk <sighs> next to. Him. That's about it. That's about it. Because the rest of the scenes are not, you know, he's sitting down or he's yeah. whatever. Um, but there's an interview with him talking about how he got both jobs, which is uh, just a complete coincidence. Really? He actually got the Mindhunter job first, because that's how long it took to shoot Mindhunter mm-hmm. or to plan it or whatever. And when and then he auditioned for the Tarantino thing, thinking he won't, wouldn't get it. But he didn't tell Tarantino that he had this other job.
1: He got two separate roles as Charles Manson.
0: Yeah, by coincidence. That is amazing. So then he finally got the job, and then he told Tarantino, look, I'm... Playing him and my hunter is that a problem? And turns you he just didn't give a shit. <laughs> um, and so he was like, but that's yeah, it was just like a complete coincidence. But he played them ten years apart, and he said it was. I mean, he was playing the same character. He uses the same sort of mental techniques to get sure, there. Sure, yeah. But at the same time, he was kind of playing two different characters in a way, because one is a locked up guy that's been around away for ten years, and one is a. And apparently there were there was more scenes than a Tarantino film. Than I, got, I, thought I was gonna ask because like, there's not
1: much to it,
0: right? So there's more he kind of had to do, right? Not a ton, but
1: well, I'm um, sure he wanted to vet him to make sure he does feel right. like the right Manson. Yeah.
0: But he said it was kind of a different vibe, but he approached it the same way, but different. This is hmm. kind of how it is. It's an interesting interview. It's an Australian actor.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. But he, he plays it great.
0: Yeah, and he's also very short, but he's not that short. He's not right. like 5'2". He's like 5'5", <laughs> like five, five maybe.
1: Um, And we talked about Manson some in the Once Upon a Time episode, but yeah. there's so much that happens just in this one scene.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like this is kind of the centerpiece of the season, if not the show, in a way. Like, this is kind of what we've been building up yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, ironically, is diff- weird, because he's not, like, exactly a serial killer.
1: Right, he didn't fuck anybody's severed head.
0: Right, but <laughs> when the I, when when you think of serial killers, you still can't think of Manson. So sure, yeah. Fair enough, uh, and they acknowledge that throughout the show, but they you know Holden still wants to do it. So yeah. So what do we think about this scene?
1: I think it's great.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: I love. I was Manson. very
0: nervous about it. I didn't know how they pull it off. He
1: uh, he doesn't act over the top. I mean he he seems very believable as Charles Manson. He also I love whenever he's like. Bulagosi was trying to make me seem like I was a God. I'm not that. That's not what I am. I didn't do anything. You know, he's not saying that he's not trying to act like he's powerful and that he was able to control these people. He's denying it. I was very surprised by that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you watch on YouTube, (laughs) there's a Tom Snyder interview uh, from 60 minutes from like 1979 or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, very close to what is presented in a film. If oh, not wow. Not exactly the same dialogue, but the same vibe where he's like, obviously, he's denying everything that's been placed on him, mm-hmm. but that same vibe, like, you know, you know you're, you're on the power trip and, um, you know, this whole narrative. That's your
1: world they're like, living
0: in. Thing, yeah, that's actually, I think, a quote from him. Like, it, a lot of it, I think, comes from, if not that interview, but maybe his serious interviews at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That was what, that was the trip he was on at that time. But, but I thought that actor did an amazing job. And it's very creepy. At the same time, I like the way they kind of diminish him a little bit. Like yeah. he's, he says, ultimately, and this is very true, the 60 Minutes Every Two, he's a very silly man. <laughs> I mean, he is a ridiculous and uneducated ex-convict that got some power in the world over a small number of women and a small number of women, men somehow. And unfortunately, use that to kill a small number of people, and for whatever reason, it's loom large in our society. And I like the way they kind of just ultimately kind of pinpoint that it's a fluke. This right. should not have happened. Right. Um, he's a ridiculous human being. At the same time, he's admittedly captivating, and we have to acknowledge that. Um, but they don't seem to give him too much power. And like, I love that scene where he steals his sunglasses. Yes. And, or no, he asks for sunglasses and cops to stealing them somehow as if he, and that's like sort of a crucial insight to his character. like.
1: And not only that also, so that's an insight to his character, then also which later- Which never really
0: happened by the way. Oh really? Yeah, that happened to John Douglas. Yeah. he That's that's actually true. Oh wow. He did the exact thing and then he, uh, he told the guards he stole them. And John Douglas was like, oh well, that guy's just full of shit. <laughs>
1: Holden thought that it was so interesting, and he brought it up at the meeting. You know, you know what's so interesting? He said that he stole my glasses, and like Bill Tench was like rolling his eyes like in the meeting. Then later, Bill uses that same anecdote at a party, yeah. And and Holden kind of walks up on him. You can tell he's kind of embarrassed about using it, you know, because he'd kind of give him a hard time, and now he's kind of using it
0: yeah. uh, to get attention. But there's also that thing about um, Manson kind of getting the a little bit. He said something about I can make your watch stop or something and then when Bill gets in the car later his watch is stopped.
1: That I didn't put that together.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh so Manson said as hard as I try I look at the time and I can't get it to stop yeah. and then later his watch stops. Yeah. That fucks him up. Yeah. Oh I didn't think about that. So Oh I good. got one on you. Okay. Yes you did. Oh man. Well, yeah because he pisses Bill off and yeah. Bill's done. And he's like yeah. enough of this shit. Well
0: because Bill at that point is dealing with this kid. Yes. he doesn't want to see this bullshit. Yeah um so that's so well done but um but yeah i was really i I was nervous about how they would do an ant manson because like how do you do that
1: yeah Um, they did great and it wasn't too much of the season it was you know half an episode it was plenty
0: i kind of wish you would come back
1: (laughs) (laughs) because then also he Because then also Holden goes and talks to Tex Watson. And what yes. we also learned from Once Upon a Time is that he committed the majority of the murders. Right. And that was very interesting. You had mentioned that you thought that he had found God, which apparently he has. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, that apparently is based on a, an actual transcript with an interview with him and John Douglas. Oh, wow. I've done my research. Very good. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that was Tex, uh, Tex's... Uh, you in the late 80s or late 70s, and I think that's he's still alive, right? Uh huh. I think that's pretty much his take on it. Like,
1: uh, he killed those people,
0: yeah. And he's well, I, I guess I can't say what he thinks now, but at some point, a lot of those people did sort of seem to sort of try and remove themselves from Manson and sort of weirdly really take ownership of themselves over what happened, yeah, which is a weird result of being brainwashed. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, I think that's healthy though to be able to say. No matter what happened, you still, you still stabbed these people. You still took their lives.
0: Yeah, I'm always reminded of, um, you know, did you ever see Asher Killers? I know, mm-hmm. well, I don't think you did. Because mm-hmm. in your, in your, in your sister's episode, you're like, no.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, well, that was like we're talking American Psycho, that white male rage fantasy. Right. But when I was a teenager, that was a big that was a big movie. Mostly because teenagers go and smoke pot and watch it. It was like this big trip, and nice was right. played the soundtrack. But there's just... The big centerpiece scene where woody harrelson you know the mickey serial killer is being interviewed by robert Downey jr it's a great scene and it's modeled after the Harald Rivera interview of charles manson oh uh which is basically Mickey saying a bunch of weird sort of psychedelic trippy things that are like blowing your mind and robert Downey jr being kind of like this oaf interviewer type mm-hmm. and oliver stone who wrote, directed that movie Made this comment about yeah that's based on the Charles the famous Charles Manson interview by Geraldo. I made this comment that like Geraldo thinks he can interview Charles Manson, but Charles Manson knows himself way better than Geraldo Ferraro ever will. And when you watch like the Thompson Leonard interviews and the the Mind Hunter presentation of that's what it reminds me of like for all his craziness and faults, Manson knows himself way better than these sort of, the, the interrogators can ever kind of approach him. Hmm. And that's maybe a symptom of just how fucking crazy he is.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But uh, I thought that was a kind of a crucial insight. To, I think that's the best way to summarize him. Like, you can't really touch him. He's just that fucked up, that right. crazy, that brilliant, that evil. Who knows? Right. You can't really psychoanalyze him in any real way.
1: mm mm-hmm. um, And he, he's, he is, like you said, like he's an anomaly, maybe. Yeah.
0: And I think it's maybe just of him being just a fucking hick dumbass. I don't know. But, <laughs> but there's just really no way to pin him down and they also
1: mentioned him in season one when he tries when Holden tries to tell the cops about well, he his mom was horrible to him, you know, she was a prostitute and she would bring people home and then all the guys were kinda of like, we don't want to hear about that. Yeah. You know? He's a he's a evil monster. And that already kind of shows that they weren't willing to look at that kind of stuff yet.
0: But it's so interesting, because the Manson thing seems to be so much of what would be driving someone like Holden to understand everything he's doing. Like he's symptomatic of all that. And they finally get to interview him, like this holy grail, and they get, like, nothing from him. (laughs) Now he's dead. Yeah, now he's dead. Thank God. Cheers. So that's the midpoint of the season. (laughs) So, um...
1: Well, and so, yeah... And so they're kind of doing their things. And um, so Wendy Carr and Agent Smith are kind of left at the office. And they were supposed to go... So they're the ones that go and interview Elmer Wayne Henry. So that's an interesting right. dynamic. And
0: yeah.
1: um, so they go together. And Wendy actually uses her true story of being a lesbian to Elmer. Because
0: Elmer is involved in this sort of... Uh...
1: He, he's unwilling to admit that maybe he's gay... And
0: uh, The Minimum has been helping out this. Right. For lack like, of a word, gay serial killer.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, and um, Agent Smith kind of blows it. He can't really handle the the interview. She kind of takes over. She does a great job.
0: Oh Yeah. So Tinch says he uh, shits the bed. Right.
1: Or? <laughs> yeah. He shits the bed, didn't he? <laughs> and so she kind of takes over and she admits out loud, you know, that she's a lesbian, that she's been in this relationship, and then later... Um, Agent Smith just like, that was a great story. He doesn't believe that that was true. Yeah, how could know? that be true yet? Yeah. Um, and then so they also go and interview a serial killer named Paul Bateson. Now this this is fascinating, Chris. We're not going to get into it here because we're going to save it for another episode, but he has a lot of ties to uh, William Friedkin, the, the director. The director of The Exorcist? Yes. So Paul Bateson... Played a radiology technician in The Exorcist. He was an actor. Um, he and he ended up murdering. He, he was convicted. It was pretty much the same as what they talked about. He was convicted of murdering one person. Then there was these bag murders that showed up, and they tried to pin it on him, but they could never quite tie it to him. Which one was he in the show, though? Uh, he was the gay. Not sorry, another gay serial killer. They interviewed him, and he kind of like was making. Um, Agent Smith Uncomfortable oh. he, he was very blunt about sex and having hard sex with people and he is fascinating so we'll have to do him sometime.
0: He was in the eighties. Yes. Good for him.
1: He actually inspired Friedkin to make the movie Cruising Shut Up which starred oh. Al Pacino
0: Wow that is an infamous movie in gay culture
1: so we'll have to do that sometime. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, like I talked about. Uh, so that's
1: perfect. We'll do cruising, and then we'll talk about Paul Bateson or well,
0: Okay. Well, cruising is not. Yes, we'll do it. Okay. It's not really a horror movie, but I want to talk about
1: it. Okay. Uh,
0: also, that comes up a lot in uh, the celluloid closet, which I was talking about. Celluloid
1: closet. Yeah.
0: That, mm-hmm. the, the the documentary. Um, that's like the sort of the centerpiece of it because oh, the most okay. famous example of. Uh, I mean, that movie is, is explicitly about gay culture, but at the time it was also about a gay serial killer and it kind of culminates in that movie which is in the early 80s and it's actually kind of been reclaimed a little bit for a while it's very controversial mm. and 20 30 40 years later it's been sort of somewhat reclaimed as like okay well maybe it's maybe there is some value to what that movie is even if it's just historical and negative
1: so and i had the,
0: no idea that about the story There,
1: so we'll do that so now, we're going to move on to, I guess, the Atlanta Child Murders.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the entire second half of the season. Don't you agree? I mean,
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, while Holden is in Atlanta, staying at the Omni Hotel, he is um, what he thinks is being hit on by a pretty young girl named yeah. Tanya, uh-uh. uh-huh. who walks him up to his hotel and is very like, do you want to go out later? And so, he like takes a shower and gets all ready.
0: He puts on a suit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's another great scene of Holden when they're doing the stakeout under the bridge and, um, Agent Barney takes his, uh, tie off and just throws it up onto the dashboard, you know? And then so, Holden's like, he takes his tie off and he, but he puts it around
0: <laughs> the, gosh, the Yeah, then, and then he touches
1: it and makes <laughs> sure it's perfect again. And that kind of really just, that really sums up Holden. But Tanya does not take him on a date necessarily but she takes him to meet a bunch of Mothers who, whose children have disappeared. Yeah, it's so sexy. <laughs> but it's also, he he takes it all in stride.
0: He's actually intrigued, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he's like, no, don't apologize. It's cool. He's yeah. very excited about all of his paperwork he is. Um, so if you want to know about the Atlanta child murders, which it's the, that, that is just, I mean, it gets right to the heart of it. It's yeah, a very sad thing to have to say over and over again, but.
0: I had no idea, though. I mean, I knew a little bit about the, that the Atlanta Child Murders, but I had no idea that John Douglas was involved in it. There any of the, Rain, the team.
1: If you want to know about it, you have to listen to Atlanta Monster, the podcast. So Atlanta Monster is a podcast that's also um, done by Payne Lindsay. Payne Lindsay did we did the first season of Up and Vanished about Tara Grinstead, yeah. and he actually fucking solved it. Did he? He put it back out there, and he. <laughs>
0: I'm not about to get a podcast side of Pain Lindsay, but Okay. Did he? <laughs> did <laughs> he, anybody he even talked about in the first half of that fucking show turn out to be who was the killer? He dragged
1: a lot of people through the mud.
0: He sure did. Okay. For weeks at a time.
1: So he nar he at least narrates Atlanta Monster. But I mean he talks to the FBI agents involved. He talks to the police involved. He talks to people who were there. He talks to fucking Wayne Williams.
0: Really?
1: Oh yeah. A lot. He is a chatterbox. He calls him from jail. He talks to him a lot. So if you want to know about it, I mean, there's no point in getting into all the details because that pretty much covers the gamut. I mean, it's obviously a lot to do with these kids who are in lower socioeconomic places, that they were young black kids, that they were considered at risk, you know, so they weren't being investigated. But it wasn't just the police that was letting them down. It was the commissioner, you know, it was the the mayor... Because they did not want to admit that there was a predator, because right. they were trying to build the airport, they were trying to get tourism in, they were trying to build up the commerce. It's just like, everybody let these women down. So it was just, it, the way they showed it on screen, I thought was wonderful.
0: Yeah, but I mean, John Douglas apparently um, was involved quite a bit with, I mean, I don't think they, they didn't initially pull over Wayne Williams, and that, that didn't really happen. Someone else did, but... He was very much involved in the profiling and the work. He was in Atlanta during that time. And so a lot of that is drawn from his own right. case files, which uh, I had no idea. I thought that was like, okay, they, they're just interjecting these characters there. But no, that's not true. That that, that they were very much part of it. And so.
1: it was also very hard for them to have to say, we're looking for a black man.
0: Right. Yeah. That was a kind of political um, suicide at the time because uh, well, not only were they trying to build the airport and do all that, but... It was very dangerous for this new black mayor, yeah. who was, a, I believe, the first black mayor of Atlanta for mm-hmm. some time or not ever, to suddenly have to admit that not only is there a predator killing, you know, black children, but he is, you know, quote unquote, kind of one of your own. As will be perceived by him saying that, even if it's. Well,
1: yeah, you know, that's so hard to say too. When there's clearly, there, I, I like the retired cop. I thought he was great that his whole job is to watch members of the Klan there's members of the Ku Klux Klan right there yeah um, saying openly that they're glad these black children are being murdered so of course why wouldn't you think that that's what's happening yeah and
0: it kind of also goes into this again this idea that this whole idea of a serial killer being new like of course it must be motivated by some real rational explanation you know like killing people because they're black while evil and hateful at least you can sort of pinpoint that to like a, maybe rational is the right, right, right word, but a, you know, a thought. <laughs> Whereas killing people because of some weird psychosexual motivation makes no real sense. So how do you really present that in 1979 or whatever it is, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's still like with the with these murders, it is hard to say were they all... Maybe there was an actual serial killer going around, but maybe some of them were murdered by... The clan, or different things happen to them. Yeah. There's so many murders that I hate to think that they were all being kind of like lumped together instead of being in, um, investigated individually, because they were each an individual person. You know, there's sometimes when the police, what do you call him, the head of police, the chief of police, is given um, Holden kind of a hard time, and he's like, "Well, their numbers, you know, eight, seven, and fourteen. If you can't remember names, you know." Because Holden is kinda of coming in there trying to think he knows everything that's happening and this chief he says, I've been pulling these kids' bodies out. I have seen this. I'm here living it.
0: Yeah, but I do like how Holden has some sort of self doubt throughout the process, you know. I mean, as much as I particularly after Bill calls him out, you know, having dealt with his own shit, kinda of towards later in the season he is kinda of like, Am I am I am I even on the right track here? Am I doing this right? Like there's some of that which I thought I kind of appreciated, you know.
1: Yeah, he did come right out though and tell the commissioner, like, day one, we're looking for a black man, this is him, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, but, but this is um, like after that, though, like, yeah, you know, he eventually at least has some hubris about it, although.
1: But they also show how kind of clueless he is being a, a white man. When there's a scene, whenever a line, whenever he says, oh, race shouldn't matter, you know, and yeah. Jim, all Jim Varney can say is just. But it does. Right. There's yeah. not really much else he can say because he's just like, yeah, you don't get it? Are you are you fucking serious? Yeah,
0: there, there's definitely a lot of things he's absolutely clueless about. And part of it is he's just so narrow-sighted on what he does, but he's also, you know, a white male, a privilege. So.
1: And I mean, there is so much red tape they have to go through.
0: Oh, it's so they, frustrating. They show yeah.
1: that a lot. But then also, like, when you listen to Atlanta Monster... Um,
0: well, there's so many different counties involved. Yes. So, I mean... I guess that makes sense. It's like the Ted Bunny thing. There's all all these different precincts and states talking to each other, and that's why they cannot really, for a very long time, come to any conclusion about who was doing this, much less a serial killer.
1: Right. Oh, so on Atlanta Monster, um, so pretty much when they started investigating, the University of Georgia had all the archives of all of the... um, news reports and everything, and they were allowed to go in there and just go through all of them. They also were, they they filed something for the police reports and they were given an annex, it was so big, that was full of like 70,000 documents. And they went through everything. You know
0: what Payne Lindsay and his team were? Yes.
1: And they were saying that, maybe at at first, they weren't really investigating them as they should have, but once they kind of like took off, they investigated every single lead they kept records of everything. And you could see how frustrating it was for the cops not be able to get anywhere with this. So they really did start investigating. And a lot of it was tied to fiber evidence, which nowadays you can't even really use that. Um, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. I mean, it was just, it's, it's more cumbersome than anyone could ever, ever realize. It's just also, it's so sad. And then when they start putting together that a lot of these kids knew each other. that like, can you imagine just a bunch of children that you know disappearing and it's not being taken seriously? I mean, how frustrating is that?
0: Yeah, and I, I was a little fuzzy on um, what exactly, how these kids knew each other. I mean, I know they talk about they hung out in parking lots a lot. Were they hustlers? I mean, I'm not quite a sure. A lot
1: of it was very, they didn't go into a lot of detail.
0: Right. Um, mean they mean the show or the, the show Pink Lindsay or, or what the show well so in real life like what what was there was there some element of them being
1: there was a lot of rumors of them being prostituted Right. some of them were just selling drugs some of them were just selling like Yeah. i think that's why too it was just like all over the place and there was so much corruptness going on and in mind hundred they talk a little bit about a couple of uh creepy houses guy, the kids were going to. Yeah,
0: I was always unclear on that, too. Like, what exactly was happening there? I mean, were they, like, voluntarily going there? Were they... What was happening in these parking lots? And not to cast any blame on these kids, but I was just... I wasn't sure what the environment was. Like, and it was always... It seemed to be kind of tiptoed around and not quite explained.
1: Yeah, I think it was hard for them to... Because obviously those kids also weren't talking about stuff like that. Right. And um, there's that scene when Holden finds that young boy... In the lobby, you know, and he says, "I'm not doing anything." For I'm not. I know what a ten dollars. Right. Yeah. So it's
0: like, how does he know what a ten dollars? Like, it's so foreign to me. Like, how? You know. Yeah,
1: I think some of that was going on. There was a lot of uh, child prostitution going on. They start to investigate that a little bit, but then, so once they they realize that this guy's dropping the bodies off the river, then they that's exactly how it happened. They set up the stakeouts under the bridges, and it was on the last night of the stakeout that they heard. Splash. Then they see the, the car up on the bridge. They pull over Wayne Williams, and all that pretty much happens, like in the in the show.
0: So it actually at least was an FBI agent, though. Like, I mean, obviously it wasn't Holden Ford, but
1: <laughs> no, the, an FBI agent does um, pull him over, and he comes out of the car, and he does say to them like, "This must be about those murdered kids." Mm-hmm. And the FBI agent says like, "He's he was shocked," you know. And so they start investigating him, and it is just like it's so perfect he is his he's trying to get young kids ages you know 11 to 21 he's trying to be a record producer or whatever there's so much against him but then again is it all coincidence because there's not any evidence that ties him to it there was the the green fibers but
0: from the carpet
1: yes but was he really bringing the boys back to his parents house you know there's just there's so much to it. You guys just have to listen to Atlanta Monster because there's it's too much to ever explain on a podcast in, you know, 25 minutes or whatever. And then he was really out like at 3 a.m. driving around looking for a Cheryl Johnson who he says called and his mom took the number but then he wrote it down again and it's just, it's just all over the place. So I don't know if he was up to something or if he was just...
0: I mean, I've watched a few interviews with him on YouTube, you know, like, he, I think Diane Sawyer or somebody interviewed him, and he seems pretty happy to talk, and it seems...
1: Yeah, he did. He, he called a conference to his house, you know, he, he when he talks to Payne Lindsay, he talks a lot. He talks fast. He's, our, he's still um, recruiting people in jail for oh, to, to do music. <laughs> so I don't know if he, what if he really was just a super odd guy? Uh, who just happened. But then again, what was the splash? They found the body later. There's just so much to it.
0: It wasn't, But it was an adult. It was not a right. kid, right? So yeah. there's that. Uh, I know. I mean, that's still a pretty amazing coincidence. Splash car body, yeah.
1: Right. But then also, there's, they found a lot of bodies. They found 29 bodies, you know? Right. So.
0: And I guess, I think, that at least on the show, they kind of made the point that the body kind of washed up a, a little ways from the bridge. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know that that still seems like a huge coincidence to me but yeah the fact that it's an adult too I don't don't know I guess it doesn't matter but
1: and that he was arrested interrogated and then released and then still the paper printed that he was the Atlanta monster printed his name Hmm. so he never had a chance
0: yeah (sighs) but maybe he did it
1: (laughs) right (laughs) or did something he just he doesn't seem like a murderer but does the BTK killer seem like a murderer when you see him right so I don't know, but we do know that twenty seven children were murdered two adults, and nobody has been able to be tied been tied to them.
0: well, did the murders at least stop after Wayne Williams was arrested they did
1: but there's always like that there's been lots of cases where that happens and it's just a coincidence like the guy maybe the guy gets arrested for, for something, something else. else yeah maybe he dies maybe he moves maybe he sees that op- as an opportunity to go somewhere else so well, when
0: the Atlanta Monster podcast, I mean, is there any indication this is some miscarriage of justice or, or what? Like or, or is it it's just they don't know or
1: Well, the people who arrested him, a lot of them feel like, yes, it was him. There's uh, it's really interesting on the last episode, they bring in another um witness who when he was a boy at the time and he remembers being picked up by Wayne. And it was really weird and he didn't want him to leave and It was just kind of, it it was around the town that you don't trust Wayne Williams. But then there's other people who are 100% sure it's not him. There are victims' families who are 100% sure there's no way it was him. So you just, there's really, there's no evidence besides carpet fibers, which they don't even, they can't even use that anymore. There's too many fibers that are so similar, you know?
0: That's fascinating. I'll have to listen to that. It seems to me that the show kind of Seems to settle on the fact that it's probably him. My my hunter does. Ah. Uh, I mean, I don't feel like they leave it. I mean, they make the point that yes, he's only been convicted for two murders.
1: They did they get well? They say they can only try him for two. Right. I don't even think they get to the trial yet, though.
0: No, but they have that thing at the end, the you know, Wayne, you know the little post. Yeah, and it rec- says
1: that they still have not convicted anybody for those murders. They were just recently reopened by the mayor of Atlanta.
0: Oh, well, I thought he was convicted for two murders, though. He was. Like, but, right. But yeah, that's what I mean. So, but the
1: rest of the child murders had just been reopened in Atlanta. Right.
0: right. I don't know. I guess I, I at least assume that the the way I watch the show, the show at least seems to suggest that, yeah, it's him. You know, he just hasn't been convicted to everything yet. And that's more about bureaucracy and the way the DA decided to handle the case versus the fact that he did or didn't do it is the way the show seems to handle it.
1: I don't know. I guess I just already knew so much about it. Yeah that I don't know if they made it seem like that or not. I think they went back and forth and they were still investigating uh, pedophiles that had been around, you know, and then after Wayne Williams was arrested, then I think uh, Jim Barney brings up another um, guy who they can kind of pin to it. And there were pictures of young boys at his house that were black. And so I think that they're leaving it open that this seems like there's something else going on here. Uh, but I think that they after they arrested Wayne Williams they closed out all of them so what's the, what were they going to do or what were I still am not quite clear like how did he know these men like they, they say that he says he doesn't know them but there's witnesses that say that they've seen them together was there some co- sort of conspiracy between them that they lured maybe he lured them and they killed the kids you know and then maybe he killed them to keep them quiet I don't know it's just, it's too much. Crazy. I just know that 27 kids were murdered, and it was, I can't imagine living in Atlanta at that time, in that neighborhood, being around the moms who were just so lost.
0: Well, um, is there any clue about what My Hunter Season 3 is going to do? I mean, because mm-hmm. even then the end of Season 1, there is, I think they announced, yeah, we're going to do Atlanta child murders. Right. I seem to remember that, but I haven't heard the, anything about Season 3, assuming there is a Season, season 3.
1: Well, they said that they're going to do five seasons. They've already got it planned out. Okay, well, good. Yeah.
0: So do you think they'll do Ted Bundy, maybe? I mean, that's kind of coming up. Probably. Yeah.
1: But oh. they also, you know, we read that they might be another two years before they do season three. Mm.
0: Then they may think the whole Ted Bundy thing is, you know, passe because they have the, the movie out and the Netflix documentaries. So.
1: I don't know. I think that would be Interesting. And then they can have Zach Efron come right.
0: and play him. Well, and also, you know, I think John Douglas really did interview Ted Bundy, yeah, so yeah. it will make sense they do that. They'll do it. They'll have to.
1: Uh, oh, we didn't even talk about Wendy and her girlfriend.
0: I don't know how to feel about that. What do you? What, do you, what thoughts do you have on that? Uh,
1: well, I'm glad that she found somebody for a little while. Yeah. And then it kind of imploded. Um, I kind of see. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be more. Is this Wendy's issue? Or is she actually, is she right? Is she seeing this woman as a fraud? Or she's not living her life honestly, even though Wendy's not living her life honestly either. That's a lot
0: more is Wendy's issue. I mean, whether or not her new, very new girlfriend lies to her ex-husband is really none of her business, I think. Right, Um, right. I think it is more emblematic of how she feels about herself. I guess my, my feelings about it is like I didn't quite get what what is the metaphor exactly like what is that illuminated by that character? Like like because nothing else really happens to the character the second half of the show except for kinda of that and even that kinda of petered out. She's not even in the last episode, really. Mm-hmm. There's like one scene where she I don't know, checks her kitchen cabinets or something. Uh and misses her, but I I, just, I don't know, it seemed a little bit reductive to me to somehow. I mean I and I, I guess I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Like it started off strong and you know, I was really into it then it just kind of went well okay they broke up and and then she's not in the last two episodes so
1: yeah they, they should have i mean they, they did kind of show that she felt like she was being pushed out there was a scene and when agent gunn called the mom to the office and then gave was telling holden and bill they're going to atlanta blah 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 and she sat down like and me you know yeah and maybe that was Maybe they were trying to show that she felt Agent Gunn asked her not to interview anymore. He he tried to tell her you'd probably be better in the office, and she's like, "But but I like doing this, and I'm good at it." And then she gets you know kind of uh, demoted, almost. So so it could be
0: that she's you know taking out her office rage on her you know new girlfriend, which is kind of interesting. But
1: she's pretty mean to her.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, the way she does that is so. You know bitter. What what should say? You know, like you're you're just basically you're or, a wait You're
1: a you're a bartender who
0: takes me, advice from a magazine who is or Cosmo something. And it's tell me, you know, yeah, that's rough.
1: Yeah, I'm
0: not sure. I mean, it's interesting. I'm glad it's there, but uh, I don't. I guess I can't quite get a beat on what the writers kind of like her and the cat. The first season, <laughs> she's a, she's an enigma. I don't know what they're doing with her mm-hmm. necessarily with that character. I mean, she's not really a snob. I mean, if if they're trying to say that, maybe she is her and her white wine in the bar. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it just is that she, you know, she feels, you know. uh,
1: Yeah, maybe it's because she's playing by the rules. She's trying to do everything that she's supposed to. And then she's still not getting where she wants to be in her job. And she sees her girlfriend who is doing whatever she wants. But she's only a bartender, but she is actually... Happier.
0: Yeah, and that but that apartment she lives in is horrific. I'm sorry, I wouldn't that'd be how that relationship quickly. (laughs) I mean, I'm glad she's being a free spirit, but like just clean your do something. (laughs) There's mold everywhere. It was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, Wendy had no business telling her what to say or not to say to her husband i thought right especially like you say during that time period like you, you just don't know you know well
1: and she'd also She's already inserted herself too early remember she was trying to invite herself to the baseball game and she was um, like yeah. um i don't introduce my kid to people yet yeah and she was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah either way I, th- I think that is more telling about wendy than this about you know the new girlfriend I yeah think. So, but at the same time, I don't, I still don't quite have a handle on what that's all about as far as the show goes, like Mm -hmm. what larger point are they making? I'm not really sure. Even as far as her being a lesbian, what larger point are they making about that? Because the real character is not lesbian, the real human being it's based on. Right. So, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I'm glad they kind of do that because, you know, it's an interesting take on sexuality in the seventies and the fact that some of these serial killers are, you know, sexual deviance and that conversation is out there and she can right. kind of comment on that in a real way. Right. But, I don't know, it does kind of, I kind of wonder about it, like, why did they decide necessarily to go that direction that character?
1: Right. Uh, hopefully they can do something better in season three for her.
0: I hope so, yeah. I mean, she was so good the first half of the season for sure. Yeah. I just felt the second half it just kind of petered out mm-hmm. and they just didn't quite know what to do with her. Right. she given her a cat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, season two,
1: and so season two ends with Bill coming back to his house and his wife has left.
0: Oh man, yeah.
1: So he can come with me.
0: Yes, he can. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. Do you have uh, other final thoughts, I man? I loved it. I, mean, I think. I mean, as much as I like kind of bitch him on, I'm not even bitching. I'm just like I go down these rails because like, I love that show so much. You know, like yeah, I sure. Take it very seriously. And,
1: yeah.
0: You know, it deserves a type of criticism. I wouldn't bother with you know yeah whatever else
1: yes Fraser.
0: no i would i would love okay. Fraser so much frazier's excellent <laughs> I,
1: it is i know um and um, so what how does it end with for holden
0: what happens to holden um
1: oh right he just goes back to his apartment and he like makes dinner and he seems to be settled back into his yeah. his routine
0: I forgets he had probably a fiance like less right. than a few months ago um yeah, it is kind of sad with him in his apartment. Um, I, I do kind of think it's interesting that the, the major focus of the season really seemed to be on Bill. Mm-hmm. So maybe the first season is Holton, second season is Bill. Maybe the third season will be
1: Wendy. Windy, yeah. I hope so, yeah. Be yeah. Kind of cool. All right.
0: Although I need as much Jonathan Groff as possible.
1: Yeah, I need some more Holt. Right. Okay. Uh, we should probably stop objectifying them? That's okay. Okay.
0: They're men. We can do that.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think about Mindhunter, or if you have any other thoughts, or if you know what Wendy's overarching storyline might be next season.
0: Yeah. Great show. Um, We'd like to know if there's anybody that is in the know about what direction they are taking, please let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, Surely there's some industry person out there that (laughs) may hear this at some point. Uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, if you want to move in with me, (laughs) uh, you have my Twitter handle. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, uh, My Hunter, great show.
1: Yep. All right, bye.
0: Good night.